Well, good evening, Collective, man. It is good to be back in this room with you guys. Don't get me wrong, the break was nice, but it's good to be back with you. If you came in last week, you know that we are ready to roll. And I believe that what God accomplished last week is simply going to set the tone for what he's going to be accomplishing in this room every single Tuesday night. And I, uh, I pregame with some Diet Coke tonight. Uh, so if you go on my team, yep, yep, uh, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready for Jesus to uh, proclaim truth to you. And uh, we're in a series called Bad Advice because not all advice is good advice. We know this. And last week I kind of joked with y'all that you might be sitting next to your bad advice. Because a lot of times the people that give you the best advice are all the so the people that give you the worst advice. So just to open things up, to get things loose, I want you to turn to the person next to you and share the worst advice you've ever received. And hopefully it wasn't from them. All right, take a few minutes. Uh, share with the person next to you the worst advice you have ever received or ever followed. I should be seeing a lot of fingers being pointed at each other. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Uh, that's it. If you're laughing, that means that you probably are the source of bad advice. And as we were, uh, as we were researching this series, right, getting ready for bad advice, we pulled uh, some of the greatest pieces of advice from the Twitter world. And uh, here's a few of these. Uh, the first one is from my man, Michael Williams. He says, guy at work tried to give me marriage advice and finish with, trust me, I've been married three times. Uh, if you don't know, that's ain't really how marriage works. If he's been married three times, it's not more experience. It means that he's the problem. All right, next one is this. When someone had a cold, my grandma used to tell me to drink tequila because either you'll lose the cold or you'll forget about it. Not quite sound advice, but you hopefully haven't practiced this advice either. All right, next one. No, yeah, that's it. My grandma, grandpa, once told me not to use my blinker when driving because it's no one's business where you are going. Uh, I'm going to go where I want to go. Bye. Uh, next one. From my girl, Chelsea Bun Bun. My dad told me, if you have a bad cough, take a laxative. Then you'll be afraid to cough. All right, this has a lot of collateral damage to it. If you've ever taken a laxative, you know there's problems. Because if you cough, you're coming out both ends. Uh, and it's a mess for everyone. Uh, but that's what it is, right? There's a lot of advice in this world. And there's a lot of advice you should not follow in this world. And as we kind of open this message, there's, there's a question I'm going to propose that isn't about anybody else. It's simply about you. And we're going to come back to it. And the question is, have you ever felt closer to God at some point in your life than you do right now? Has there been a moment where you are more passionate about living for Jesus? Or there was a moment where worship just meant something different? Or there was a time where you were just so much better at being active in your word? Or you felt like, man, there was a time in my life where I felt like I was making decisions with God, and now I'm just simply looking for God. 
And if you've ever been in those moments where, man, I don't feel as close as I once was, and you sit here and you ask this question, how did I get here? And if you don't know the answer, it means that you probably drifted. It wasn't some big thing that happened. It's just something little that happened over time. And, and drifting, I think we all understand the concept of what drifting means. How many of you guys have been to the ocean before? Hopefully most of you. Uh, how many of you guys have swam in the ocean? Just got to know what I'm working with. All right, so you guys are going to understand this. So when you go to an ocean, you set up camp on the beach, you get everything situated, and when you actually go out into the water... It isn't like going to a swimming pool, right? There is movement, there's current, there's, there's waves, there's undertow, all these things that are pushing and pulling you in so many different directions. So you can up, set up camp so you know where you need to return to. Now, I took a trip down to Florida with a group of high school students many years ago. And uh, one of the beach days we went out, we set up camp uh, right next to like this burger shack because... Why would you not want a burger, fries, and drink when you get down swimming in the ocean? And so that, that was our landmark. That was our, our place that we would return to. So we had about, I don't know, 20, 20 30 students, high schoolers, that went out into the water. Then uh, me and a few other leaders, we got out in the water, and we were just enjoying life. We were enjoying being at the beach. It was a beautiful day. Uh, kids had boogie boards, act like they were surfing, even though that's not how that works. Uh, people were throwing around footballs and the balls that you skip across the water. Man, we were just having a great time. And then, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes passed by. And we look up, and we're getting ready to just all be swept into a boardwalk. Now, when I set up camp, I, I remember how far the boardwalk was from where we set up and where we needed to return to. I'm talking, man, it felt like it was over a mile away. It was way down there. And so we're like, all right, it's time for us to exit ocean, get on shore to move back because we don't want to be beaten to death by the boardwalk. So all the guy students, you know, they kind of make their way to the shore. All the female students, they make their way to the shore all the adults easily make their way to the shore, and then your boy's left out in the ocean. Uh, because I can't swim very well. All right? And I'm out there, and I'm trying to get to shore, and it ain't happening. All right? I'm just, when I'm out in the water, the ocean is completely abusing me. Like, I'm being violated by the water. So y'all know like those cartoons that uh, the big guy's holding the head down, the little guy, and he's swinging and kicking, and nothing is happening? That's exactly, that's a physical representation of what the ocean was doing to me. I, it was pushing my head underwater. My arms were doing nothing. My mouth was not catching air. It was swallowing the salt water. My little feet were kicking, catching nothing, like not even a granule of sand. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die. I'm out here, I'm exhausted, and all the kids are on the shore thinking, Josh is drowning, he's going to die, all that time. And I'm out there just stuck, I'm done. And that's when a man that we all know and love entered the story. So Clayton, obviously a much different side, so he just walks out, right? And he walks and walks, he's coming to rescue me because I'm legit drowning, I'm going to die. He's walking, he's walking, and it gets to a moment where he stops in front of me 
firmly planted on the ocean floor, and I am legit about to die. And I just grab a hold of Clayton. I put my head on his bare back, and I've never been happier just to just cup a pair of breasts. <laughs> and he just walked his way back to shore. And I get to say, and I'm like, I'm back, baby. I'm back. I'm alive. But that's what happens when you drift. Right, you get to places, you're like, how in the world did I get here? And when you are vertically challenged, you're going to drown in the ocean. Uh, and that's, that's what it's about, unfortunately. Uh, but drifting, it's a slow process, but drifting is also a very dangerous way to live as a Christian. Because drifting is being carried away slowly. Right? It's not some, some huge moral failure. It's not some huge sin that you commit. It is a slow series of compromises, a slow collection of distractions, of neglects that cause you to drift. And before you know it, you will look around and ask, how did I get here? Where am I at? Why don't, do I not feel so close to God? And I chose to preach this message because this is the message that I needed to preach to me. Like, this is the message that I need to hear because it's easy to drift. And it's easy to drift when you spend every day working in a church. So I know it's very easy to drift when you are spending every day in the world. And so as we unfold this, I want to unfold it together. Hebrews 2.1 says, We must pay careful, the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard, so we do not drift away. In Hebrews, where the scripture is from, it was a letter written to new followers of Jesus. They had just been following Jesus, and they were from a Jewish faith. So the culture that they were raised up in was, was all about having a relationship with God, but not necessarily a relationship with Jesus. And then all these, they, they experienced Jesus. They saw what Jesus did. They, they said that he was the Messiah, and they started following him. But as they started following Jesus, the world offered resistance. The world pushed back. The world persecuted them. And so now, as they were following Jesus, all of the world was pushing back against them. And then when they looked back home, their family completely disowned them. They're like, you're following Jesus. You're not with us anymore. So here's these followers, and they, they are getting pulled every direction. And they're, they're probably losing faith. They're probably losing confidence in their decisions. They're probably losing hope and understanding and tempted that, man, going back to my former way of life would just be so much easier. It would be so much more comfortable. And each of you probably experienced something similar in your circles of life, whether that's going to your team, whether that is your workplace, whether that is your group of friends, or maybe for some of you, it's your family. And they don't push you towards Jesus. They discourage you. There's resistance. 
And regardless of what that may look like, it's easier to drift. It's more comfortable to drift away from Jesus in the moments of resistance than it is to chase after him, to pursue him. And our world has tricked us into believing that we should live like everybody else. All right, we are programmed to live like everybody else. Think about it, right? We, we all have the same phones. We have the same apps. We are encouraged to stay on trend. We generally watch the same shows. We record the same videos. We find the same humor. We do all these things, and we pursue this ideal life that all of us are kind of collectively programmed to follow. In our, in our culture, it's, it champions individuality. Right? We are going to celebrate you for being you. But it celebrates individuality in the art of conformity. And here's what I mean. We are going to celebrate you. We are going to celebrate who you are as long as whatever you stand for is within our standards and our beliefs. We have a parameter that we said, man, this is our culture. This is culturally acceptable. And if you are within this circle, then you're good. Be whoever you want. But the moment you step out and you are individually you, or perhaps even displaying Jesus, all of a sudden there is resistance from our world. And it would be a whole lot easier to just live like everybody else. But hear me when I say, if we don't care, if we don't give the most careful attention to the news of Jesus, we will lose it. Because everything in this world is pushing and pulling you to everything else. Pushing you and pulling you away from Jesus. It will feed you bad advice. It will distract you, and it will give so much empty assurance to the way that you live that you won't know where you stand. And drifting from Christ is hardly noticeable, right? You can be living great with Jesus, and all of a sudden, drifting is hard to identify because it's not some huge moment that happens. It's the compromises. It's the neglects. It's just changing a little bit of your values, and it happens over an extended period of time. And then what starts small suddenly becomes larger and larger and larger. And we know that we are drifting in life, right? right? When we stop resting and we start striving. As Christians, we are called to rest with God. We are called to draw near to him. We are called to be comforted by him and to be refreshed by him. Psalm 23 says this. You guys know this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Bad advice will proclaim that you can do it on your own. You just got to try a little harder. You have to work a little harder. Get up early, stay up light, grind until you make it. You can do it. 
You just have to try a little harder. And this is what you have to understand. I'm a person who will strive. I will do everything in my strength to accomplish whatever's in front of me. But when it comes to our walk with Jesus, we cannot complete an already completed work. We cannot finish a finished work. We cannot win a battle that God has already won. Jesus made it all. Jesus has done it all. Jesus has already been victorious in every battle that we will ever face in our life, but yet we think that we have the strength that is superior to God. We think that we have a little bit more wisdom than the guy who created everything that is functions inside of our minds. And we, if we just strive, we can accomplish it. But when we stop resting in God's love, when we stop leaning into God's strength, is the moment we drift away from him. See, the enemy in this world wants you to live in chaos, wants you to, to feel the stress and anxiety and depression that comes with this walk of life. He wants you to be exhausted by doing everything on your own power because he knows when you are living that way, you're truly not leaning into God. You're truly not pursuing God. And the enemy wants you to carry the weight of life. And he wants you to live on your own strength because he knows that your strength is not enough. The enemy knows if he can trick you into thinking you can do it, you will try. But our scripture is clear. Man, when we rest with God, he refreshes us, he restores us, but he also renews us our strength. You don't become stronger by trying harder. You don't become stronger by striving. We get stronger by resting with God. And another way that we know that we have drifted is that we stop pressing and we start coasting. Now, resting with God does not mean that you just get lazy in your walk with him. Right, you rest so that you can accomplish what God puts in front of you. And this is what Philippians 3 says. It says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Everyone in this room probably shares a similar goal. Right, we want to live with Jesus. We want to experience life with Jesus, but we would also like to spend eternity with Jesus. When this life is over on earth, we want to be with Jesus. We want to be in heaven. But if we all have the same goal, we should be working together in this. We could be, should be holding each other strong, pursuing Jesus, Jesus rather than allowing each other to drift away. So I want you to think about a basketball game. All right? All right, you got five guys on the court. You got a whole other team of players sitting on the bench along with coaches and advisors, all these different things. And when you get to a basketball game, right, your team has a shared goal. Your goal is to win the game. And when the game gets down to the end, right, and the, the score is close and the time is dwindling, you will see teams either press on towards their goal or you'll see them give up and coast. 
Uh, I was at the Quincy Shootout last weekend, which is where we, they bring all type of basketball teams from all over the nation, and they come in and they play at QHS, and it is, it's a great atmosphere, but uh, I was showed up with my kids to watch the QHS game, and they're behind schedule, so I got to watch a whole other game. And I'm talking, these dudes were, were massive because they were coming from across the nation here just specifically to play basketball. And the game was close, and it got down to the end, and there was, I, th I think, 30 or less seconds left, and this other team had went down. They had scored, and they were still down by one point with, like, 14 seconds left. And the other team inbounds the ball, takes it all the way down the court without being touched, and is fouled attempting to score a point. Now, if you know strategy of basketball, your goal is to not let them pass the ball into the court, into the field of play. Right? You're going to, they call it a press. That you want all of your players defending, blocking, and making sure that they do not easily get the ball in. As soon as they do, you want to stop the clock to where they are not able to burn clock and get more points because then four, you will lose the game. But this team was just coasting. They watched this guy run by him. They fouled him as he was attempting to get points. So now they burnt time off the clock, and they're getting more points. They get up there, and they win. And I'm thinking to myself, you all got on a plane, and of all the places in the world you could travel, you came to Quincy, Illinois. Now, I love Quincy, but there ain't a whole lot to offer, all right? I mean, we got a Walmart and some restaurants. That's it. And you're telling me you came all the way to Quincy to play basketball, which is great, and you're going to watch somebody else accomplish your goal simply because you're not pressing on. You're coasting. They could have won the game, but the team that pressed on more is the team that won. And that is so true in the way that we live our lives. Because the moment we start to coast in our relationship with God, we start to throttle down, is the moment we start to drift from our goal. We drift from what God is placing in front of us. And I want you, I want you to hear me on this. Even a dead fish can flow downstream. Right? When you flow downstream, there's a lot of life. But you can look like you are part of something and be completely dead. And as a dead fish flows downstream, you can come to church every single Tuesday, even maybe come on Sundays too. And you can come into this room, but you never lean closer to Jesus. You never, you never like wrap your, allow him to wrap his arms around you. And you may look like you are playing the part, but you're, you are still drifting. You are still separated. You are not walking with God. And I asked a question at the beginning of this message. If anyone felt like they were ever closer to God at a different point in their life than right now. And we can drift in our walk with God. It happens. And we can drift simply because we look at everyone else's highlight reel. And we say, you know what? I think that they can do it better. I'm going to let them take care of it. Instead of pressing in to the unique gifts that God gave you. 
Or perhaps you're drifting because you look at everything that God has accomplished in your life. You look at all the things that you've done. You know what? I think I've done enough for right now. I've earned the right to coast a little bit instead of pressing on to the goal that God has placed in front of you. It is so easy to do. Bad advice will tell you that others can do it bad can do it better. Bad advice will tell you that you aren't good enough. Bad advice will tell you that you've perhaps already done enough. But when we stop pressing on towards God, when we stop looking at the goal that he's placed in front of us, we simply drift away from him. Because the moment you stop following God is the moment that you start to wander. In the moment you stop growing with God is the moment you start to drift. Everyone in this room, you've drifted, just like I have. We've been separated. And many of you probably find yourself in a similar position that I found myself in. Or how in the world did I get here? And the reasons are small. And in all honesty, the reasons may not even be bad. They may not even be sin. But as they start to compile, they separate you. They push you away. And we're in this moment, and I'm assuming probably all of you in the room, with the exception of a few, have probably thought, you know what? I've been closer to God at some other point in my life than right now. And if this is the moment you are closest with God, hang on to it. Because it is the greatest thing that you can ever walk with in your life. But for the rest of us, you're thinking, how in the world did I get here? And we have to flip the question. We have to turn the question over and say, how in the world do I get back? How do I get back to what I once was with Jesus? How do I go back to my first love? How do I feel the way that I used to feel? How do I have passion in worship? How do I just strive to be with God? And hear me, all the things that led you to this point don't matter anymore. What matters right now is how you return to him. Because God never stopped chasing you. You stopped chasing him. God never stopped walking with you. You started drifting in your walk with him. You started walking away from him. Because Jesus is the one person in this world who's never drifted from their goal. He is the one person in this world who has never drifted from their mission. God surrendered his place in heaven so that he could come to this earth. And then God sacrificed his one and only son so he could call you a child. He could call you a son. He could call you a daughter. And Jesus He isn't ignorant to how we drift in this world. From the very beginning of time, the people of God have drifted away. From Adam to Noah to David, Solomon, the Israelites, God's people, the people that followed Jesus the closest, the disciples. Man, every single person has drifted. And one thing that Jesus said in the very last book of the Bible Jesus spoke to a church that had drifted. 
a church that had somehow gotten away from the way that they walked with God. And this is his words to them and perhaps his words to us now. It says this in Revelation 2. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or love each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Or maybe it could say, look how far you have drifted. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And we're going to move it into this moment where we figure out how to respond to God. And typically we do it in worship. We do it in many different ways. And a few weeks ago, I was sitting in communion. And I was sitting there asking that, that question. How did I get here? How did I drift so far away? How did I forsake my first love? And it was in that moment that I just simply prayed, Lord, help me want you as much as I need you. Because we know the trials of this life are hard. We know that the trials of this life are constant. And they never relent. And our need for Jesus probably grows stronger and stronger every single day because we are really good at following bad advice. And as I look at this room, and most importantly, as I look at my own heart, I, man, my prayer is that I want Jesus as much as I need Jesus. And as we respond to God this evening, I want to give this room the opportunity to do exactly what Jesus tells us to do. To love him the way we did it first. To want him the way we did it first. And as Jesus said, to turn back to him. And we're going to do that by remembering the power of communion. Remembering what happens when we take the little cup of juice and we take the little piece of bread. And if you hadn't, didn't get communion on your way in, when we get done praying, some people will come around the room making sure you get some of that. But as we go into communion, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to recall the time that you felt closest to God. Just that time where his love was so overwhelming that you didn't have the words to describe it. That time when you looked at the blood of Jesus and understood the weight of it, of how much you needed his forgiveness, how much you needed his grace, you needed his mercy. And in that moment, you almost felt like you understood how much weight that your sin put on the shoulders of Jesus. And I want you to recall those moments when it feels like the only person who understood you was God. And I don't want you to answer to be, what did I do to get here? I simply want you just to turn back to him, to lean into him. And some of you don't know how to do that. You've never done that. And you are in the right place. Because that is what we do. 
And I know we'll have Charity and JB up here after communion. And you're like, I want, I want to know what it looks like, Lean. I want the hope. Man, they would love to talk with you. And so here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that you, you grab your communion now. If you haven't, if, uh, I know i got some people that will be coming around, and they'll, uh, they'll help you get that. So if you need it, just simply raise your hand, and they'll make sure to get that to you. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone just to close their eyes. If you need to raise your hand, they'll come to you. Just I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to recall the time that you felt closest to God. Maybe it's an age. Maybe it's a specific moment in your life. Perhaps it's a time where you just were broken and he's the only thing that can fix you. I want you to spend a few seconds Thanking God that he never stopped chasing you, that he never stopped pursuing you. The greatest act of love is sacrificial love. Jesus, your love is greater than all. Father, you are bigger than everything else. And Father, our prayer right now is that we want you more than we want anything else in this life. Father, that we want you as much as we need you. Father, let us use this moment to find our rest in you, our refreshment in you, our strength in you. And God, clearly put your goal in front of us and help us walk to it with you. You guys can finish your time of communion reflecting personally with God before we enter worship.